This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. The Great Dickens Christmas Fair is a San Francisco tradition that's been around for more than 50 years. It takes place at the Cow Palace, and it transports people to a time that's been captured by film and books. Everywhere you look, it's decked out in Christmas. For more than a decade, Ariel Kesswetter worked as an assistant director and stage manager at Dickens Fair. The costumes are beautiful. There's hoop skirts. You get a slice of life from a bunch of different Dickens novels. And the experience is immersive for people who attend. You're hit by the sounds. You're hit by the smells. They take great care to have delicious smelling foods as soon as you enter. And it has the opportunity to be a really magical Christmas moment. But it hasn't been so magical for some of its performers, including Latoya Tools. So I took on the role of Sarah Forbes Bonetta, who is an African woman who was the ward of Queen Victoria. Latoya says she was drawn to Dickens Fair because she was a theater kid who enjoyed dancing and looking pretty in period dresses. The music you're hearing was recorded by Latoya at the fair's ballroom dance floor. Dickens Fair is a place where I could just be a part of the ensemble of a very intricate musical, which is all I've ever really wanted in life. But then... I think I was very visible and very finely dressed. And one of the things that I sort of realized is that I didn't see other Black people at fair sort of elevated or just see them in general. As it was for other institutions, 2020 was a time of reckoning for Red Barn Productions, which puts on the Dickens Fair. So we took that opportunity to begin a relationship with them to actually improve the experience of Black cast members, crew, and vendors and guests at Dickens Fair. After years of complaints of racist and sexist behavior at the fair, including Black cast members being mistaken for slaves, Latoya and other cast members in the group she founded, the Londoners of the African Diaspora, or LOAD, decided to take action. Now they're staging a boycott of one of the city's most treasured traditions. A recent story in the date book section of the San Francisco Chronicle details what led up to the boycott. Red Barn Productions has denied many of the charges made by the LOAD group, and they sent us a statement that I'll share later in the show. First, I am joined by two people who used to work at Dickens Fair. You just heard from them, Latoya Tools and Ariel Kesswetter. They explain their experiences at the Dickens Fair. LaToya, you shared a little bit of why Dickens Fair was a special place for you. And Ariel, as someone who worked as an assistant director and a stage manager for almost 15 years, how would you describe the culture of Dickens Fair? I think it is a space that was intended to be comfortable for self-identified misfits first. Mm -hmm. But if we were being theatrical and on stage and in character, it was this very narrow sense of who you could be and who you could present. Um, I think for a lot of our gay cast members, it was very difficult to present as straight 
within their character. And there would be moments of, well, you can't do that here. You can't do that on stage. You Mm -hmm. can't present that way. Um, And in those subtle ways of that's not allowed here in this way, it really became a culture of it's fine to do whatever backstage, but on stage it's it's very different. And we have to present this acceptable view of history. And Latoya, how did that translate into issues of race? What did you see play out at the fair? Okay, so Dickens Fair is set in 1830-ish to 50-ish Victorian London. Mm -hmm. In America at the time, we were leading up to the Civil War in which slavery is still the reality of this country. Meanwhile, in Britain, slavery does not exist. It is no longer legal to hold slaves in Britain at the time, which is one of the only reasons why I did Dickens Fair, because I don't um, reenact slavery or I don't reenact enslaved people or or any environments in which slavery is acceptable. So given my understanding of that, I'm in interacting at Dickens Fair knowing that no Black person in this space could possibly be a slave because by stepping on to British soil, you are set free as a Black person in that time period. Mm. However, cast members and visitors did not hold that same historical knowledge. So I had been called a slave or inferred as a slave by a number of people, both in the cast itself and also with the guests. And I think it's really irresponsible that the cast members themselves were not knowledgeable enough about the time that we were playing in together. Um, And also just the policy that the company has that we don't have slaves. And I want to jump in to say that this is not a cast of people who come into the space unknowledgeable. Mm. All cast members to be part of a cast have to take workshops. And those workshops include social history lessons, manners, eras of the time. There's actually a three-weekend workshop process where everybody is trained to be history interpreters to some degree. Mm -hmm. And the lack of any kind of information in those workshops around race, around sexuality, around interactions. It wasn't presented. It wasn't given as an option. Yeah, we're all supposed to know that it's supposed to say, how do you do? We're all supposed to know that the answer to how do you do is how do you do? And yet, we don't have this really critical knowledge of every single person that you see in the space is a freed person. Mm-hmm. And 2020 was this time where everyone started thinking about race. All these organizations released their own Black Lives Matter statements, including Red Barn Productions, who puts on the Dickens Fair. What did that signal to you? What opportunity presented itself in that moment? When the statement was released, they also published it in a private Facebook group that the entire cast can be a part of. And one of the members of LOAD commented as herself and just said, uh, since when? (laughs) And there was definitely sort of this language in their statement, like we've talked to the Black cast members and we're engaged with them. And we were like, you absolutely have not engaged with us. So we would love to do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So we did. We, We had a meeting 
um, where they asked us to kind of share our stories and like why we were at Dickens Fair and who we were and what our experiences were there because some of us were really unknown to them. It's a very large cast. So they met with us and we told them our story and they asked us to come up with suggestions about how Dickens Fair could be better and could actually support the artistic um, joy of Black cast members like they support the artistic joy of others. And so I took that invitation to help. Mm -hmm. And I gave them a 53.5 to 10 year plan on how to do that. (laughs) And it was in my other life, I actually work with a lot of um, folks who come in as consultants and who um, work with large organizations to develop plans like this. Mm -hmm. That was thousands of dollars of diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, consulting work at a professional level. It was not just, oh, here's some like slapdash ideas. It was thought out. It was researched. It was consistent with the values of the organization. It was flexible where there was room for flexibility. And it was an offering and an opening for discussion. Right. And I think part of the sort of disconnect between the Dickens Fair community and myself at this point is that they were expecting a few suggestions. Mm -hmm. But what I was really looking at was a contextualized way of moving the entire community and organization into an equitable space for the long term. Mm -hmm. My expectation was that Dickens Fair would exist for another 50 years and that it was going to need to continuously move in a direction of equity. And I was hoping to set them up with standards and practices and ways of educating one another in a moving target because equity today is not going to be the same as equity 50 years from now. So that's what I was hoping to bring to that experience for them. We unfortunately can't go through all 53 points on the show, (laughs) but can you highlight some of the the main key points that you really wanted to get across to Red Barn? Sure. So it's broken up into five different sections, harm reduction, culture change, leadership development, visibility increase and learning opportunities. Um, and I think the the number one things that are important were an HR person. Uh, there w- is no HR s- practice or person at Dickens Fair. And there's over a thousand people in their workforce. <laughs> and so I just think it's not safe for an organization of that large not to have an yeah. HR practice. So that was really important to me. And the other thing I think was educating people on what discrimination and harassment look like Mm -hmm. in and out of character. Because I think when you do Dickens Fair, it's an eight hour day of improv and acting. My experience of acting for that long is that I have to set aside some very core parts of my identity in order to sit in another identity for eight hours. (laughs) And so it's important, I think, for people to inhabit safety and know exactly what safety looks like in character and out of character. And when you hear these phrases in a Victorian voice or in our really bad Dick Van Dyke level quality British accents at times, um, when you hear these phrases, that's discrimination, even though those are not words we would say in the modern world, right? And this is how you respond. You can respond in character 
to that discrimination or you can respond out of character. You can drop character. And that sort of training was done to a very low level at Dickens Fair, but not not as intentionally as it really needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably one of the major things for me that I wanted to see was that sort of education. More with LaToya Tools and Ariel Kesswetter after a quick break. We told Red Barn Productions that LaToya and Ariel had made some of the same comments that appeared in the Chronicle article about the boycott last week and asked them to respond. They sent us a statement that said Red Barn has agreed with and taken steps to enact all but two of the 53 points in the document LaToya wrote. They say it's patently untrue that no steps have been taken to prevent discriminatory statements being made. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Some people might be listening to this and thinking, well, this is maybe more of a hobby, you know, something that's supposed to be fun and lighthearted What do you want the public to understand about the ability of this space to sort of cause harm and trauma that maybe others might not realize seeing it as a more lighthearted tradition? I think that's a really great question. Um, It is just a hobby for me and for quite a number of people. There are some people where it is their livelihood and there are people where it is a deeply ingrained part of their identity. What we have experienced as we've been pushing these changes into the community is a a lot of pushback from people who I'm observing don't have other places to be or other communities speaking into them and their identity. This is it for them. And so they're trapped here because if they don't stay a part of Dickens Fair, they don't have anybody. I just think that when you when your identity is being spoken into um, by a community, it's important that it be safe and that they be telling you the truth about who you are and that they be reaffirming your human dignity, reaffirming your self-actualization and your value. And I think um, my experience at Dickens Fair was that nobody was affirming my value outside of the excellence of my regal bearing, mm-hmm. which everyone always talks about how regal I am at Dickens Fair, and how <laughs> poised I am. Mm-hmm. And I love that because that is true. she elegant so ariel let's go back to the timeline here because you know 2020 happens 53 point request is is shown to red barn where do things stand now and how have they handled the communication around uh, those requests right so um Most of my interactions with the community come through Facebook. There is a cast and crew Facebook page. I think the national moment was reflected in microcosm within that Facebook group. And um, those conversations started happening. And uh, what happened instead is that that Facebook group got shut down. Mm. And so all of the conversation just came to an abrupt halt. Mm. And it became clear that... Red Barn didn't feel that that was the space 
for these kinds of discussions. Like the the intent was to be a a functional group for the logistics of planning. They wanted it to not be what um, was being described as a distraction. Mm. And has Red Barn made any promises in response to the points raised in your 53-point request to them? Have they? What have they indicated okay. are the next steps? So they asked us in, I'm going to say, July of 2020 to give them suggestions on how to improve. In August, we gave them a copy of the anti-racism initiative. So they received a copy that had been signed by a significant number of their directors, assistant directors, and marginalized cast members. Um, And then other members of the community were able to sign it as well as they read it once it had been published. We got a thank you response from them immediately. Of course, they were grateful to have seen it and they said it would take them a while to go through it, which I totally understand, 53 points, and they were not short points. (laughs) (laughs) But we gave them a copy of the ARI in August of 2020. In September, late September, so two months later, they asked us if we would be willing to meet, um, but that they wanted to talk about their own DEI plan and not the one that we had drafted, to which I said, absolutely not. Um, I'm going to need your itemized response to this, and we need to talk it through before we move forward with a new plan. A new plan was always an idea. This is not a plan. It's an initiative. It's an idea. It's a way to get you to think. It had to be edited. It needed to be operationalized. And so I always had that understanding, but they actually were just like, thank you very much. We've read it. We're going to draft our own thing, Mm -hmm. to which I was just like, that's just not acceptable given the amount of work that we had put into it Mm -hmm. um, and what it means to the community that we have this. Uh, So um, we threatened a boycott in November of that year to which they acquiesced and we started meeting to talk about the ARI and we met several times over the course of a few months. So we started in November and then in April, they had started making decisions, Mm -hmm. one of which was hiring a dramaturge who was going to have some DEI resources rather than a professional HR or DEI professional. So what I have experienced with Red Barn is thank you so much. We will try our very best. And then that best is just never good enough. I'll plainly say When you are mitigating harm in a community, it is the harmed that tell you when you have done a good enough job. Mm -hmm. And they do not listen when people who have been harmed say they are hurt and that you need to do better. Mm -hmm. They try hard. They're well-meaning. But I just don't believe that being well-meaning and trying hard is valuable if your outcome is not successful. Mm Due to AB5 and other recent California laws, they are now required to have HR. They are now required to pay their actors. They also are required to do discrimination and harassment training. Mm -hmm. That is now the law. That was not the law for them. Ariel, now at this point, you know, LOAD members have are staging a boycott of the fair And can you tell me how big has that movement gotten and what kind of support have you seen? This has really gotten traction with many of the casts, not all of them. It's still a very heated conversation within the community. There is a very loyal group of people within the community who 
want to keep giving the production company and the leadership chances, who want to keep saying, well, you, they, they haven't had enough time. But it's like when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Mm-hmm. Their actions haven't reciprocated their promises. Their inconsistent commitments haven't gone through. And some really low-hanging fruit, things like more inclusive casting choices. Mm-hmm. I have 200 signatures from cast members saying they will not participate in Dickens Fair. Mm-hmm. So it's a significant portion of the cast who are done. Um, I, I want to make it really clear that calling this boycott was not a method for engaging Red Barn in continued negotiation. This has never been a negotiation. This was supposed to be a partnership. What this boycott is, is me and the other leaders of LOAD are done and we will not be coming back to Dickens Fair. Mm -hmm. And we invite other people to determine whether or not their values align with the practiced values of Dickens Fair and its community. Mm -hmm. I'm not just done with Red Barn Productions. They don't matter to me. It is the people that I played next to every day, the people who I would go to complete strangers' houses to learn how to do 19th century sewing techniques. So many people showed me a lot of generosity when I was beginning at Dickens Fair. And some of those same people then accused me of ruining the magic of Dickens Fair, of being impatient, of being an angry Black woman. And I just don't want to play with them anymore. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home because this is a hobby Mm -hmm. and it's not fun anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm leaving Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm telling you why. And I think what this has been for me is the end. A lot of people have left quietly. I have never done anything quietly in my life and I was not (laughs) going to start today Mm -hmm. and so I'm leaving this community because it's no longer fun but I need any other black person who stumbles on Dickens Fair to know what kind of questions to ask and to know what sort of values this community has so any sort of conversation that I have with a journalist such as yourself or in the Chronicles print edition was purely for the safety of future Black people. Because when I played Sarah Forbes Bonetta, I was a Black princess. And there were so many little Black girls who would run up to me so excited to see me there, to see themselves there, that in 10 years, when they're graduating from high school and going into college, they might say, I want to do Dickens Fair. And I want them to Google Dickens Fair and find that article Mm -hmm. and decide for themselves if they can be safe. Yeah. We started this conversation talking about the magic of Dickens Fair, and I appreciate you both sharing the hard decision to walk away from it. Ariel and LaToya, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Again, we requested comment from Red Barn Productions, and the company denies many of the allegations made by LOAD and asserts that they have hired an HR manager and a DEI consultant, enacted mandatory anti-harassment training for all participants, and established a red flag reporting system for harassment issues. Red Barn's statement also says, quote, 
We are deeply saddened that members of our ensemble have felt unsafe, but we are also grateful they shared those experiences so we can learn from them and work on making things better. We look forward to having further conversations with engaged members of our community. For more on Red Barn's diversity, equity, and inclusion policies, you can go to redbarnproductions.com slash DEI. You can find the story about discrimination at Dickens Fair in the datebook section of sfchronicle.com or on the Chronicle app. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. Thank you.